Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Welcome to A Higher Branch podcast. Dr. Stan Rotsky has worked as a neuroscientist for over 30 years, particularly in the area of peak performance and brain science research. He has a bachelor's degree in psychology and a doctorate in science. His research has included stress evaluation and improvement programs in the corporate sector and elite level high pressure performance with sports people and teams. Uh, His neurological research has been famously embraced by Oprah Winfrey and his latest book is titled The Neuroscience of Mindfulness. As you say, you are a plumber and an electrician for the brain. It is my honor to welcome Dr. Stan Rosky to this week's episode of A Higher Branch Podcast. Welcome, Dr. Stan. Uh, thank you, Sam, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Now, the first time we spoke was three weeks ago, and a lot has happened uh, in the world in three weeks. We've had a seismic shift in uh, really what is happening in people's psychology. Uh, so perhaps we could address that uh, before we move on to other topics that I really want to focus on because I, I don't like to give um, uh, fear and panic um, and this uh, coronavirus outbreak too much oxygen. But can, what can you tell us, what is your view on what's going on with uh, in people's minds? Uh, you call it the reptilian brain, but can you elaborate on that, please? Sure. Look, the um, the issue for a plumber and an electrician of the brain like me, not my behavioural hat, but a cognitive hat, is that we are set up in a deeply primal brain. At the top of our brainstem is the deep limbic system, and it is extremely sensitive to real and unreal perceptions of danger. So what we're seeing is something that's very primal with us. It's, uh, if you like, our very basic instinct is to seek out that which can hurt us. And it, and it, it literally and metaphorically sets up a, uh, a, a smoke signal in the brain, which then affects the other parts of the brain. The other parts of the brain start to react start to do things in the frontal lobe regions, for example, which are uncharacteristic for us. We would have been logical, reasonable, rational, and suddenly we seem to be quite immature, irrational, and unable to think through exactly what's going on. And normally this comes and goes, but we're in a scenario where um, this sort of messaging, the 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 smokestacks, if you like, outside in our outside world are visible to us. And um, what do you think that world leaders uh, should be doing to, you know, bring us back to rational thought, you know, bring us back into the, uh, the prefrontal uh, lobe? Because we seem to be operating out of um, uh, the feeling part of the brain at the moment. And uh, that is a dangerous thing, isn't it? Look, look it... it absolutely is and um, the only things from again a cognitive perspective is that the brain seeks its world to be patterned through repetition and focus on detail so you'll notice that um, most of them are doing the right thing They're, they're repeating messages about 
things we should be focused on and doing without trying to fix everything. And and that, in fact, is a, a strategy that goes as deep as my colouring books, for example. You know, when, when I'm often asked about those, why would they relax the brain? Well, if you look at geometrics and those types of patterns and pictures, when you're colouring those in, you're doing exactly what is going on at the world level here. You're, you're, you're repeating things so that it becomes a pattern. And the pattern and the repetition are done within the context of colouring between the lines or being focused on what we should do in the next second or minute. And that's, and that's extremely helpful to humans. So that, uh, what you're talking about there is something I want to get into because it's quite fascinating. My wife loves those colouring in books and she says that um, it soothes her. It, uh, it makes her feel completely relaxed. Mm. So in a time like this where everyone is losing their head, they're giving in to fear and panic, is that what we should all be doing at the moment? Should we, should we use it like meditation? I mean, meditation is difficult for a lot of people, but sitting there and colouring in is something that's quite soothing. It's almost like uh, knitting. My grandmother used to knit, I remember, and yes. she used to get into this state-like trance where she was in bliss. Yes, look, um, I, I'm not saying colouring in is a solution to the world's um, cor- coronavirus um, <laughs> epidemic. But, but individually. But, but, we had, but, but you know, I, I think... Um, putting my psychologist hat on for a moment, mm-hmm. you know, the, we're, we're, there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of angst. Um, you just mentioned you get your team together to talk through what the next steps are because people um, are feeling anxious. They're feeling the tension in their chest. They're, they're, they, they may be having, you know, borderline panic attacks. You know, one more message about one more thing that's happening is almost at the edge for them. And so the neurology of this, is that this, at its level, compounded continually, um, sets in process a biological mechanism going on in our brain and our whole mind-body system. And the system, and that process is is fundamentally quite simple. It's that there is a mind-body connection. My thoughts now are activating biological consequences. My thought about what's going on here is actually activating uh, neurotransmitters such such as adrenaline. And adrenaline neurotransmitters carry um, hormones because that's the way the body works. And those hormones in this case are cortisol. And, and cortisol, of course, is the drug that, that tenses your gives you that pain across your chest, that that dilates your pupils, that gets you ready to deal with the fear, to deal with the situation that's about to happen. The mind-body connection, the, the big discoveries here were how can a thought turn into a physical reaction? And here's where they discovered it. It would be something like 12 years ago now, which is not a long time in neuroscience perspective um, or science or human um, but they discovered that when that cortisol stays in too long when we are running at high levels of anxiety too long and too high then what happens is that it starts to build up 
um, proteins, and in particular, an amyloid protein. And a protein is matter. You know, that, that protein is a build-up of a, of a scale, if you like, a, a, a build-up of a, a matter. And, of course, the first discoveries around all of that um, were behind um, both aneurysms and heart attacks. You know, why does an extremely healthy, supposedly healthy younger person have a heart attack? Why would a person who's had little or nothing to worry about most of their life have an aneurysm? Um, what, what, what is going on here? And the discovery was this protein. And, and, that, and it's, there's the sequence, you know, the, the, the inability to come off that high level of tension um, means that the cortisol builds. It only takes a second. I'm clicking my fingers now. That, that's how yeah. long it takes to get it out. Yeah, yes. You know, you'll go right back to where you were. You'll go right back to thinking about what you were thinking. But at least you got rid of it for that second. And yeah. and that's an important part of this process. So when we look at things like this virus, the epidemic, it, it's it's continual for us. And that's why um, the you know anything we can do in the moment to just take a break. And you you start to hear people talking this way. I've started to hear people. You know, I just need to turn it off for a minute. I just don't. I just don't need to listen to another story about this virus for a minute. You know, I just need to turn it off. And that's actually a very good strategy. But in turning it off, your system's still at a subconscious level. Yes. Because, you know, I'd say, you, you'd probably say it to yourself even, um, oh, stop being silly, Sam. You know, why, why, why am I, you know, you, you, I'm suddenly feeling, you know, my rational brain says, you know, that, you know we're, we're, we're pretty good culture here. We're not the 1900s or 20th century. The twenty-first, you know, what, what on earth are we, you know, going on about here? Um, yeah. But the, but that's your conscious, rational system. Your subconscious system needs a break. It needs to actually do something. And you're right. Things like knitting, gardening, you know, wash, go out and wash your own car. For me personally, you know, it's that, you know, don't don't open up your phone straight away and listen to that to the news because your brain is activated immediately. That's like in the, I guess, prehistoric times, you you walk, you wake up and you walk into your village or your camp and it's all on. <laughs> you know, you, you don't have time to actually adjust. You know, get into the shower, use mindfulness, get into the shower and just focus on the hot water. That's mindfulness. You know, just, mindfulness, yes. 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 Which, is, which is also, you know, there are practical techniques like, colouring, knitting, you know, just focusing on the task. Repetition leading to pattern, leading to f and around a focused task, a minute focused task. No multitasking, no everything going, you know, jumping thoughts here and there. Just move into the task you're on. It will actually then engage your, your brain's parasympathetic nervous system because the central nervous system has an autonomic nervous system. The autonomic nervous system has a sympathetic and a parasympathetic. That sympathetic system was that, that angst one. That's the one that gets us going, that gets us alive, that keeps us moving. But when it goes out of control and just won't stop, then what's happened is the parasympathetic system, the one that relaxes us, 
is is not functioning. It's not coming in. It's not allowed to. And these sorts of repetitive, focused pattern tasks allow it to operate. It's the neurotransmitters. Um, its neurotransmitters, of course, are going to relax us, and it releases the, the relaxing hormones. But that's pretty tough when the world around us is creating so much havoc. But that's the brain. That's the that's the physics, the physical, biological process going on at a subconscious level with us. So what damage are we doing then by looking at our phones as soon as we wake up? Well, that's exactly... Well, well, what's happening is you're shifting into a rush. You know, you, you know that your adrenaline has already... You know, something woke you. You know, we're, we're not sentient beings that suddenly sort of think... think our thinking process thinks, gee, I should wake up. We wake up because the world wakes us up or something in our body wakes us up. Um, but we, but depending on what that is, um, we need to allow ourselves time to just um, come back into a normal, what I call a living brainwave, you know, where, where we're just adjusting in. You know, we've been in deep theta brainwaves, you know, down to around point one um, per second and suddenly by turning on your phone and reading that message and thinking oh my goodness what happened in the world or I've got this to do today and um, we suddenly rushed up to maybe as many as 45 cycles per second which is is an extremely high level and and our system doesn't adjust well to that and and it needs needs to actually do so in a slower method yeah it's a bit like i guess when you uh when i was younger my father would have to start the car and let it warm up and well good point now, now you see it's a very old brain that we have it's been extremely good in its frontal lobe at, at developing all sorts of things for us but in its core it's still a very, very old brain. It's still got instinctual stuff. It's, you know, the, the the sort of things that would run us at a very primal level, which we can see a bit of now, um, is usually contained by the frontal lobe. You know, just be, my car's just been cut off or someone just the last packet of toilet paper. Um, and I now see red. Um, and I, I go to do something about um, normally, our frontal lobe jumps in and says, well, wait a minute, you know, this isn't the right thing to do. You know, it doesn't do any good for anyone going and smacking them or <laughs> saying something or what have you. But when the primal part of our brain actually overrides that, then we have these sorts of occurrences that are coming. It, it's, it's that we've developed this frontal lobe area, which which is logical. It, 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 it sees the bigger picture. It knows about the law. It knows that you know, you'll be punished. Um, but all of those things can suddenly be overridden by, well, I don't, what am I going to do for toilet paper or what am I going to do for food you know, or, whatever, or whatever panicky sort of response is going on in the process. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I guess the uh, relationship between the conscious brain and the subconscious brain gets compromised then when yes. we are continuously uh, in this fear-like state. Uh, and I want to get to that. But firstly, I, I just thought of something. I, I advised someone recently, I said, because I told them that I just don't watch the news. And they said, 
how can you watch and I get anxious if I don't switch on the news and find out what's going on in the world it has a reverse effect on me it makes me anxious what what have you got to say about that is it it's is it damned if you do and damned if you don't in that case or is it something that that person needs to work well, look, on we're individually? All you know every brain is different at its basic biological construct ask a neurosurgeon um you know everything's even in the different you know things aren't in exactly the same place and the way that we the way that our fear response operates and, and what relaxes us is is often unique for many of us. You know, we, that person that wants to know what the danger is, is, um, is that's the yeah. way they deal with this compared to the person who would prefer to not know what the danger is. You know, it would, would prefer it to come up when required, not all of the time. These, these are just human characteristics. These are our human differences, but that core of them is the fear response. Our brain, at its core, um, is it is a is a is a matter of physics. It's at the beginning of the day. It starts its day out with X amount of energy, depending on whether you've got six or eight hours of sleep or something in between. Your energy level. The brain um, may operate like a muscle, but it's in fact um, a battery with an electronic controller, and and it's trying to maintain your energy all day long to get you to when it will replenish again, um, you know, some um, sixteen hours or so later. But my point here is that it's um, and it's conscious and subconscious systems operate on the basis of I've got X amount of energy. So so that's why our habitual behaviours, why we do lots of things without thinking, is because if you think about it, it will create energy loss. If you had to think about every um, time your heart beat or every time you took a breath or every time your pancreas had to do its work, or, you know, all of, you, you would be dead in, in a couple of minutes. You know, you, it would just run out of energy. So most of our systems are set up to, to, in fact, use as little energy as possible so that when we're consciously thinking, we can actually have the energy to do that. And so when you have to think something through or you have to talk about it and you have to do it, but when it's in out of that mode, it will automatically go into its subconscious system. It is not preference. It's not, it, there is nothing um, in this system other than the physics of the energy it's trying to maintain. So here we are in a world in which we are consciously thinking about a lot more. So our energy systems are being attacked. And and one of the solutions for all of this, of course, is to not focus on the amount of time we have or those content, but focus on making sure we've got as much energy as we possibly can. You know, our physical energy, our mental energy, um, our emotional energy, even our spiritual energy. All of these things have been well researched um, um, and know that all of those four areas, you can't get any more than 24 hours in a day unless you go to Mars. You get 24 hours and, what, 26 minutes? So, But in terms of us here, there are 24 hours in a day in which we, we must replenish our energy you know, for six to eight hours each night unless you have um, a illness. You know, and and there are some famous people who've ne you know never slept 
Well, they had an illness. There, there, there was um, a malfunction in their brain. The, the, the human need, you know, we need between six and eight hours sleep every night to replenish the energy so that when we start our day in the world of fear or in the world of things to do, plus the fears that we're normally always looking out for, we have to have as much of that energy as we can. So we need to do things which replenish or, or sustain our physical energy, our mental energy, our emotional energy, even our spiritual energy, because otherwise they're drained. And sleep is that number one thing we should be doing. Look, sleep is one of the most fascinating areas, isn't it? it, it it's, it's such a... Um, I, I remember being with a group of executives and one of them said, oh, look, you know, there'll be plenty of time to get sleep. Um, um, you know, when I'm dead and I looked at him and I said, well, that could come sooner than you think um, because, yes, <laughs> because yes, exactly. it is such an important part of the practice. Because when you don't have that energy, it moves into the subconscious systems and the subconscious systems are just habitual. They're not, ne they're, they're not necessarily safe for you. You know, you, you, you can suddenly find yourself doing something that puts you at risk because the subconscious system is just trying to operate on habitual behaviours. You know, I always walk across the street here and never get hit, um, and I'm, my mind's so active and so caught up in everything, and I'm in auto, I didn't look left or right, you know, and bang. You know, so, so, and the yeah. system, um, because it's struggling on its energy flows, yeah, because it's, it's putting too much cortisol in the system, you know, heart attacks, aneurysms, and, of course, we're now seeing the mind-body connections. There's some very, very good research going on where um, also diabetes 2, for example, um, because diabetes 2 is fascinating in that it's an environmental or lifestyle diabetes. But the fact of the matter is I can remember in the practice I worked in 20, 30 years ago, you know, for, for 20 20 years, and we would get executives in at one end where, you know, they, they would dress, they they would booze at lunchtime, they, they would eat poorly, they didn't sleep, they, they did all the things that you, you know, we, they would go, really? And, 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 and obviously their, their whole mental and physical health was a problem and, and diabetes too was, was certainly a problem. But guess what? Over that 20 years, and we used to, we've always measured these executives because they were coming in on their medical health checks. And and what we noticed was that they would start over the over those 20 years till recently. They would they they generally knew about better eating. They were they they were not necessarily fit, but they were fitter than they ever had been. They knew about eating their breakfast. They knew about um, energy spikes at lunchtime. They knew about drinking. They weren't smoking. Remember, it's a it's an environmental um, um, uh, disease, and yet it was spiking. This group was, you know, was even most of them were very close to a call of pre-diabetes. Well, well, our suspicion is cortisol. Uh, it's stress. The system, yeah. the system is in fact um, building up the cortisol, building up not only um, these amyloid proteins, but obviously building up um, all sorts of things which the research is on now, which is attacking the immune systems because that because that's that that's clearly something is going wrong uh, where we are living physically longer than our brain. 
you know, we, we, we look at all of the, how many, pe- how many people now in the 65 plus tend to know that, you know, the drugs and the medicine will keep us going. But the biggest fear, of course, is the knowledge yes. that our brains are falling apart. You know, we're, we're, we're not, our memory is going out, you right. know, and, and we're moving into the disease. Why would that be? You know, and, and so there's a, you know, and I don't have answers for this. I, I'm just saying I know where the research is going with these and we're following this mind-body connection and we're following this these cortisol markers and other in, immune system markers to see what, the absolute impact of stress, and of course, stress is driven. You know, is part of a cycle of, you know, as the your resilience lowers. So, so the cycle here, of course, is as your resilience drops, the stress goes. Yeah, the stress goes up. Your resilience drops even further, and you get caught in a cycle. And the whole thing is actually at, at the root of all of that. Of course, is pressure or what we term in neuroscience, allostatic um, uh, pressure. So allostasis, of course, is like a, yeah. like a tree on a, on a, you know, you've seen a picture of a tree, on, a lone tree on a, on a coastline and it's bent because the wind has blown it over. Yes. Well, when it was first growing, of course, um, it was nice and straight. It had what we would call homeostasis. You know, the wind blew and it blew back and it just bounced back up. You know, blew back, blew black. That's homeostasis. Our body, our brain is trying to keep us in balance. Remember, that's the energy system. That's trying to keep us in homeostasis. But over time, the wind blows, to use the metaphor, and we, we start to sort of shift over because it just continues to bang into us. Our stress continues to bang into us and we get in... And that allostatic load pushes us over and over and over. So we, so when the when the pressure comes on, we sort of bounce back a little, but we don't bounce all the way back. And of course, that's the system whereby if we don't build our resilience, then that that tree us falls over eventually, and that's our worry. And so we've got to build up. Yeah. So we our there's a lot of allostatic. Um, pressure load on us at the moment because it's around us. Not only do you have your personal stuff, your work stuff, your employees, your colleagues, that that is a very windy cliff face at the moment. And and for those whose allostasis is, it has been such that they're pretty close to the ground already, they will fall over. And that's they're the ones that, that really need to understand how using technique, using meditation, using yoga, using breathing, using mindfulness, even using some of the new technologies with sound wave science. But that's another another discussion. I, I love what you are saying here because the thing that concerns me most about uh, what is going on in the world is not so much the virus. And everyone that I speak to, deep down when their, their rational brain kicks in, they're saying, actually, well, I'm not that worried about the virus. I'm young, I'm fit, I'm healthy. And even people in their 60s are saying, you know what, I'm reasonably healthy. I'm not worried about the virus, but I'm not sure why it's this media hype. It's the it's the fear and anxiety. So I, ironically, it's that is the one that's exposing us to, uh, you know, the, the harmful effects of any virus, not just Corona, uh, you know, COVID-19, but the flu uh, you know, uh, season that, uh, upon us in Australia. So I, I really love what you're saying here, and people need to realise they need to protect their brain first. 
and not just their bodies. You know, people are eating healthy, people are exercising, but how are they looking after their brain? And this is why I wanted to have this conversation with you because people need to know. And you, you mentioned, you know, the things that I, uh, you know, I speak about regularly uh, and it's all around mindfulness. So it's meditation. It's just relaxing, reading a book, yoga, you mentioned uh, that you mentioned uh, something that you do every day as well. And that's like something about, you know, your meditation times in the shower. I've uh, read somewhere that you uh, you did that. So people need to find what their circuit breaker is so they can just shut down the brain and, and um, uh, you know, slow down those those brain waves yes. or get into the, the theater state, uh, as you mentioned. You see, the, uh, the thing about a repetitive pattern brain is, is that it, it, it loves repetitive pattern things and, and things that are quite focused and easy. So a pill, for example, is a solution that the brain really gets. You know, it, there, there, there it is. I repeat yeah. that, it creates a pattern, and it's quite focused. I, I take it and I forget about it. Um, and unfortunately, in, the, in these areas which are extremely helpful, a lot of people struggle. So they struggle with meditating. They struggle with focusing. They struggle with um, the breathing. Did that help me? Uh, you know, I'm not sure, probably. Um, and then they give up because the brain operates on an energy system. It, 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 it works out very quickly whether this was of benefit to it or not. It, does, it's, it, it just moves on quickly to the next thing. Because it's trying to remember, it, it, it's it, it, there's no games it's playing with it. It's just merely trying to keep us alive and and well, so that we can get to our next sleep and recharge again. It, it, yep. Which is why I love your adult coloring books because it's effortless. It is. Yeah, and that's why I, I uh, you know, I'm guessing it's one of it Oprah's favorite it, things. It I mean, so, so Oprah uh, came to us um, and popped it into her book list. Um, um, a couple of years ago now, and and um, which was extremely successful because that was the height of, of of that sudden revolution of oh look at that um, adults can do coloring. I thought that was only for children. Well, you know, the reason it was only for why they used it for children was initially because it gave them skills to learn to write. You know, you, you hold a pen or a pencil, yeah. and you know, running a pencil across a coloring page started to get the mechanical skills the brain to the hand to the fingers so they could start coordinating and eventually move to letters. But um, but what was discovered, of course, and you only need to ask, um, if she she or he wants to bring a class into from being noisy and rowdy is just to simply turn the next exercise into a colouring exercise. So what's, what's happening yes. to our brain when we're colouring in so people can... In my book, I talk about one of my patients at the time who, who had ex extreme um, uh, psychiatric issues um, uh, manifesting itself in um, an agoraphobia, you know, uh, uh, unable to get outside, and a lot of other things, highly medicated. Most of the medications had failed and um, they turned to the neuroscience and came to see me in my practice in Burke Street. And they, they in fact, when she came in, um, clearly the angst was there. And she knew about the techniques, you know, the, the meditation, the breathing. Uh, and she, she could sort of do those, but she could never hang into it because she was also medicating 
And, um, and it was in that scenario that um, um, we had developed up a new technology to measure um, a, a thing called heart rate variation. Now, heart rate variation yeah. um, is, in fact, if you remember me talking earlier about the sympathetic and the parasympathetic system, heart, heart rate variation is, in yes. fact, um, take, take, for example, your heart rate at the moment. How would we measure that? We would count the beats um, over a minute or you'd multiply it out. From, you know, you know, but basically, the rate per minute. And that might be, for example, 80 beats per minute. Now, the assumption for us is yeah. that there it is, you know, beat, 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 all the way through 80 times in 60 seconds. There's my heart rate. But the discovery was, in fact, that in there is a variation in those beats. In other words, you could still have an average of 80 beats per minute, but the reality is it could have gone yes. beep, 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 stop, beep, beep, stop, beep, 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 but stop, stop, beep, 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 and it would still add up to 80 on average. What was the difference here? Yes. And, and the discovery here in science terms was that when our beats are equidistant, in other words, no variation in the gaps, we are in fact tense. We, you know, we are in the, in the terms of the para and sympathetic system, we are in sympathetic mode. We are activated. We are, yes, yeah, and it might not be activating in the, you know, though, fright word, but we're, we're, we're into whatever's going on. <laughs> You know, we're we're awake. We're we're about to do. Yeah. It's you and me talking to each other right now, listening intently to each other to make sure that we're, you know, we're I'm answering and you're questioning, following on the right. But that has um, no variation. What was interesting was that when that had a variation, we're in fact got our parasympathetic system in operation. We are in fact relaxing. And, and so in, in medical terms, we used to look at this sort of system by looking at bloods and urine and, you know, see how, what, what the cortisol levels were, um, et cetera. Um, but here we suddenly had an ability through ECG, electrocardiograph technology. So I was able to, let's go back into that room with my, my patient at the time and pop a little instrument onto her earlobe, which was an ECG, turn the computer around, and I was able to show her her heartbeat, but more importantly, I was able to show her the variations going on in her heartbeat. So, so when she was tense, part of her anxiety, part of her whole, whole rationale, subconsciously her system just made her unable to... Um, you can't believe what effort it took to get her to my rooms. Um, um, and that would be the case for her poor parents all of the time. Um, but we got her there and you could see how tense she was you know, and how closing down she was. But on that, on that graph, and I said, and that was the first time I thought, well, there's got to be, you know, we you know, she's done meditation, she's done breathing, she's done this. But she's not believing it. And so I said, you, 
I want you to just take this and, and the idea behind the colouring. So again, I'm pulling back into your original question here. The idea of the colouring and not a picture, not something that she would think, oh, I'm going to do a bad job at this. I had to make it geometric. I wanted from that page of black and white lines, I wanted something to come out of it. You know, So she'd be able to um, use a colour and then create a pattern through repetition and stay within the lines. She had to concentrate to stay within the lines, not because she was going to eventually learn yeah. how to write, but because I wanted her brain to stay focused on one thing. The amazing part was I'm looking at my computer screen and I'm seeing her ECG and I'm watching her transfer from uh, a highly agitated state in the sympathetic system to suddenly a relaxed state in the parasympathetic system. And I turned the computer around and I showed her, I said, look what just happened when you started colouring. And she looked, and she could see the graph, I mean, you and your viewers, can't, uh, listeners can't see it, but mm -hmm. you can imagine the graph going down, you know, in, into being, and she was quite amazed. And she goes, it was wow, very powerful very because she then said, so this really does help me. And I said, it absolutely does help. And she just said, but I, I love colouring. Um, and, and I said, well, let's continue. And she was a remarkable success story. You know, she still had a lot of other issues and there, you know, there was a lot of things going on with this young lady. So so it's not a, a total happy days. But, but, but in this particular, her ability to... Yeah. Find some, and, and while she was doing that, I said, and also tell yourself to relax. Tell your brain what it is you want to do now. I'm going to colour. I want to relax for the next five minutes. And and that is the heart of that particular technique. You know, if and it's the heart of mindfulness. Absolutely. That's, that's what it's all about. And before you go on, I just want to uh, uh, viewers, or rather listeners will probably be wondering, okay, how do we get these uh, colouring in books that, uh, you know, Oprah is raving about. The website is yes. colortation.com. So colour as in C-O-L-O-U-R, Tation, T-A-T-I-O-N. So I've certainly ordered a, a couple of books. And I, I know what you're saying about heart, heart rate variability. This is uh, something that uh, really fascinates me. And I want to just give my personal um, take on this. I've had a chronic hip injury for the last almost one year. And it was only when I started focusing, so I went to physios and chiros and and the latest uh, sports chiro uh, that I went and saw, uh, who's an absolute genius, his name is Luke Curry. He's uh, based here in Potts Point, also a lecturer and a thought leader like yourself. And he got me to start focusing on my heart rate variability. And as soon as I started focusing on that, and the best way for me to do that was actually to get more sleep. I figured out that that was my trigger. And uh, my heart rate variability went up. Guess what? Yes. My chronic pain went yes. down yes. considerably. So th that's why, you know, I'm completely fascinated with the brain at and what it can do. Um, and the, and I, I love the coloring in books and that repetition in the coloring in books. And um, so I, I'm I'm completely fascinated by that. And I just love that story you just told us about uh, that young lady. But uh, a couple of, there's a few things that we're doing now at work that um, I'm telling our staff, the three S's, number one, reduce stress. 
to, to reduce stress, you need to get more sleep. To get more sleep, you need to get more sunshine during the day. And I think it's those three S's that are super powerful. And the reason why I raised them is because I noticed that your next book that you're working on is about sleep. And I think it's an absolute superpower. And coupled with your thought leadership on, um, you know, the mindfulness from coloring in books and your work in neuroscience. And I want to get to your work on artificial uh, intelligence and machine learning in a second. But tell us a little bit about your next book about sleep. Just, just as you said, I, I totally agree. I mean, we're only just beginning, I think, to truly understand the effects of sleep deprivation. We're starting to see metrics that are coming out that show how three or four nights of five or six hours of sleep can in fact be the equivalent in terms of our performance capabilities of being on 0.05 alcohol rate. So we're beginning to understand just how mind-body connected wow. um, sleep yep. is. We, we've, we've tended to always think of it as, a, as this nuisance in the middle of our uh, otherwise eventful days, um, but it's not. And and it's clearly, um, in the, you know, we, we don't fully know all about it. We know about the mechanisms of it. We know uh, about the brainwave activity that goes on here. In my terms, in neuroscience terms, is so important. You know, we're from our, our beta, you know, 30, 45 cycles per second while we're awake to our deepest sleep, where we can be as low as 0.1 cycles per second. And they are those cycles relate to all of the hormones, all of the actions going on in our subconscious systems and our and our general well-being and health. And so, so being able to understand just how, how much we need to understand sleep, understand how important it is to us, how important it is to our energy system, because that's what your, your three S are about, the energy system. You know, that's a, that, and you're trying to influence both Correct. the conscious and the subconscious energy systems. You can choose to go to the gym and subconsciously you can choose to relax for, for, for a minute or two um, at a very emotional level, you know, don't, not think about those things or, um, or mentally activate yourself. Yes. But each of, you know, every thought leads to a chemical reaction in our body. And that, and the, if you like, the super highways in the brain are the brain waves. The brain waves, and this is very recent yes. neuroscience. What we now, you know, what you, we've, noticed and you may have noticed if you read some of this stuff and it is becoming more widely seen that we used to think of certain things going on in the brain as all this electrical activity in one part of it oh there you go all you know the fears going on in the deep limbic system in particular in this case the amygdala look there's all the energy but we didn't have an answer for but but why is it also activated in the basal ganglia at the moment or in the cingulate or the cerebral cortex left side? Why, why is there activity going on there? And, and how would yes. the brain actually communicate those areas to be in action? How did it do that? And, of course, the answer to that are brainwaves. What we believe now is that you, you're literally... Um, going from your home to the city via the train, which might be that 
brainwave. And so everything that you can, that is on the train, um, can activate. Um, and so we've discovered this um, another level in which sleep, for example, is so important. It literally creates these pathways. It brings, you know, so many different areas of the brain, not necessarily to fall asleep, but to be active in different ways. But it needs those low brain waves. It needs the, it needs the deltas and the thetas, which you know, sort of the, the the really low ones before the alpha, which is the meditative state one. That's the you know while you're watching mindless television programs. You know, you know, Delta is pre-sleep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Alpha is pre-sleep. But, but all of yeah. these brain waves set off all of these brain reactions, all of these chemical reactions, all of these things that are busily repairing our brain during the evening while we're asleep, which are busily throwing out all sorts of things and and constructing others. And and for most of us, um, I'll I'll be um, teaching at a university tomorrow, and and that's on behalf of one of the big medical funds. Why would I be talking about sleep on behalf of the medical funds to students in a university, do you think? Why would they want me to do that? Why would they spend their money to do that? Well, to improve their cognitive performance, reduce their cortisol and stress levels. And, um, Wonderful yeah. things to do, but but... But let's follow the economics for a minute. A health, the health funds yes. know that there is a direct relationship between um, the number of students that come, that apply for um, rebates and what have you, um, to the students who have poor sleep. And so they've, got, they've taken that initiative that says, you know what, if we can actually just help you improve your hygiene in terms of sleep. And I'm, by hygiene, I mean knowing that it actually is important to get maybe seven hours for you each night. It's really important that you leave yourself enough time to get seven hours sleep, that you understand working on your computer just before you go to sleep isn't likely to encourage you to go to sleep. Think it, you know, sending your text in the middle. All of these hygiene factors. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about the big brain issues or, you know, the sort of new sciences that people like me are coming out with, these sound wave sciences where we can actually force the brain into an alpha state you know, quite simply and easily by putting hertz into, you know, a sound level in each ear, which is slightly different to create an alpha wave. That's a that's pill stuff. But before you do that, you, you've got to also do the hygiene things. You know, make sure your room's cool enough. Make sure the you know it's quiet enough for you. Make sure you know there are you know the and starting at that student level, you know, young adults which they mostly are in a university, what a great time to actually learn that, you know, you can deal with probably 60, you know, immune yourself to 60% of the illnesses that you may pick up and find yourself claiming against them um, by simply sleeping more and better. Uh, absolutely. I, I love those. And I love what you just mentioned about sleep hygiene, those two things, making sure your room is not too uh, warm. The other things, there's no artificial light at night, uh, <coughs> Other things don't like don't have uh, sure. caffeine after yeah. two p.m. Don't drink alcohol late at night. Don't have heavy meals at night. They all impact 
your ability to get to sleep, your ability to stay asleep, and the quality Absolutely. of that sleep. And uh, you mentioned noise as well uh, as something that impacts uh, sleep. Is that something that we we can get used to, just to digress a little, or is that something that is a a, a oh, pollutant? Look, or I've no doubt we get used nuisance? to it. But what we're getting, but what are we getting used to? We're getting used to a lower performance level. And by lower performance level, what I, what I mean oh, wow. is our brain, when we're not thinking about it, will go into its habitual subroutines. It will just, you know, you're suddenly sitting there and you're thinking, yeah. well, that's the same solution I came up with last time. You know, why didn't I come up with a different solution? Because because it's now trying to save energy. Remember, it's there, there's no judgmental processes in the brain. It, it, it's physics. It, it's it's trying to keep, you know, you had X when you started yeah. your your day and it's going to have X minus um, 16 hours by the end of your day. And it wants to keep you alive. Yeah? So so it's not judgmental in this process. It's physics. And and so so if you're overly yeah. using the conscious, you know, when you've had a day in which you've really had to think things through and talk about it right? versus, uh, and then when you go to, you go off it for a minute and you think, oh, well, I'll read this. How many times have you tried to, you know, you've been in a state where you've read it and read it and reread it and read it again and thought, I still haven't taken that in <laughs> because it's a useless Absolutely. piece of yeah. work in terms of the brain. And I use the word useless useless as an adjective but for it's just physics this is a waste of energy <laughs> you know I, I actually need this energy because you may come back and pound me for some more conscious and kill themselves by when they fall asleep at the wheel how is it possible and of course it is totally possible because it ran out of energy the only thing it had left in the conscious world was nothing. All it had in the subconscious world was to keep your heart going, keep your lungs going, keep your food digesting, and off the road you went and straight into the track because that's how powerful it is. Absolutely, and it's uh, it's given it a neuroscience uh uh, perspective and explanation around that. So I often wondered how that could happen, and I think if people understand the science, then they would know that they are not. Uh, you know, uh, us hu human beings are not infallible. I mean, we're... Yes, and, uh, and there's a scientific reason for it. And how does um, so artificial intelligence or machine learning, then you've mentioned in the past that, um, you know, as the world is making our lives busier, we need to find ways to control cortisol. And you think that AI and machine learning is the way for us to step more into our parasympathetic It absolutely is because, because we need that. We need to, our, our brain will not develop in, a, in that sort of development mode, which has taken it, um, what, we've had language for 50,000 years, you know, and it's developed, you know, that, but before that we had none, you know, it, it took, a lot millions to develop to the point where we actually were able to have a part of our brain deal with language. We are not in this fast racing world of digital in being on all the time. This is a very different world for our brain. It is trying to adapt, but I think one of the adaptations is in fact to go outside of itself, to create the mechanisms, the networks that it needs outside of itself. Because, you know, 
I'm not sure, you know, and no one would know whether the brain can intuit itself. We, you know, these are big philosophical questions, intuit its own demise or otherwise. But at some level, we do know that we're going to have to retain so much more, so much more quickly, so much longer, and we are not able to do that. And so we've created machines. Um, uh, we've, we, we've created a world which, in, in, in my fellow neuroscience, we, we, there's a branch now called Integrated Digital Neurosciences. We're integrating computer world with the technology, with the brain. We are, we, that, that's the, for me, that is the expansion of our brain. It will be outside of itself. It will be how can it utilise what we've developed to make its function better. And so... Things like um, the Neuropod that I've been working on. It's a, it's about you know all of this technology which you can just pop on your head like a pill and and it can and it can create a relaxation or a stimulation effect. We don't have to actually go in there and stimulate it. Although there are lots of scientists working on all of that, which is the real scary stuff. It shouldn't be, but it will be because of you know, our past knowledge and fears. But but. I was just about to ask you about the Neuropod because um, it's something, it's your latest development and yeah. it's being currently used and in the Melbourne school. workplace. And I'm fascinated because I have a big workplace where I'm at. I employ close to 300 people. So how does it work? And, uh, you know, what are the results that sure. you've so, uh, so had? The, new, the Neuropod actually allows for um, anything between a 10 and 20-minute break to just step out of what you're doing so that you can go and and then and the pod is like a, a an egg shape egg shape, shape chair so you can actually go into it in and in you just simply have to turn it around and you're looking at a wall and you can and there are machines which are placed on the head to stimulate and relax the blood vessels and muscles on the head um, and also machines to 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 help both from a hearing and a sight perspective bring the brain waves into alpha, or if people need to be, you know, sometimes you need to be stimulated. Sometimes you need to get going. Um, and the idea here is that you can actually step out of that work environment, that cortisol filled, always thinking, always on world, and just jump into this chair. I have another organisation just, uh, I'm actually putting their pod in today, and they, that will be in their work area. So some people will know they can take five or ten minutes off and just, jump in there and even though they could meditate or they could do something at their desk, they know they would rather something does it for them, like a pill, with no, no, no side effects. In fact, I've even moved now to the sound wave science, which allows you to have it on your phone. So, so they can actually um, listen to sound waves, which will bring their brain waves into an alpha state. So they can do that at home or at their desk. Um, as well, you know, or any time they need it, and I've got the, and that's a new technology that that um, I, I'm hoping to bring into emergency services and other areas where people are, you know, it's they have they might have a two hour, you know, two hours on and then a break, but in the break, all they think about is what happened. You know, so we've got to, you know, it's it's you'd say, well, why don't you meditate or just take your mind off it? But it's not easy. You know, you know, oh, okay, I need to get the, remember, the physics here is get the cortisol out of the system, yeah? Just for a second, just for a moment. It's, it's, you don't have to become a relaxed right. person who's now no longer productive. 
all we want you to do is to break the cortisol cycle. Yeah? We want you to come down into a relaxed state for a couple of minutes and then bang, you're back in. You're refreshed. You can concentrate, attend, and focus. And and if they if you go to the website, which is the Think Group website, you can see they can see the these technologies as well. We can either work on the sound wave, which is just um, per, you know, per person in the organ, or you can put a pod in there as well, which a lot of people like to do. Um, the results from this are fantastic. We, we, um, we've also, at one of the major schools here in Victoria, one of the private schools, we've used this with their year 11s, and now they're year 11 and 12s, but unfortunately, they're all closing at the moment, but, but we did a major study there just last year, and the results in terms of, firstly, their own feelings about their ability to deal with stress um, were something like against our norm group, um, 7% better, I think, might have been 69, something like that. And in terms of their performance in their exams, with you know, their ability to you know, use these technologies with their technique because they're all, you know, there are lots of meditation programs and relaxation programs in these schools and businesses. But this just gives that that element of, you know what, I'm going to take 20 minutes and I'm going to jump into the pod. I'm going to take 20 minutes, I'm going to put on the earphones and I'm going to bring my brain into an alpha state. And and I had a client, um, he's a managing director of a, a quite a large organisation out of Queensland, um, rang me up two weeks ago and said, look, look, it's a bit out of what we've been talking about because we're putting these technologies into his business. And he said, look, it's a bit out of but I've got an 11-year-old daughter who's uh, clearly a, a pre-teen, um, very difficult. Every time I come home from work, she's crying. I'm sure it's part of the hormones and all of the rest of it, but I'm and and she's just tense all the time, and so we took the the the, the I said, well, why don't you pop on the sound science, um, the sound wave science, and you and her twenty, you know, when she comes home from school, uh, get her to listen to that for twenty minutes, um, uh, each day. Remember the and the, these sound yes. waves are actually converting into brain waves. No, no, and and it's not music; it's sound. You know, it's just kept, kept low. Anyway, a week later, um, he rang me up and uh, and I said, so how has it been going? And he said, you know, uh, he's a big bike rider. He lo lo loves doing bike riding. And he said to me, I've, I, I would never have invited her or asked her to come and join me for a bike ride on the weekend because she is such a pain. You know, it would be whinging and whining. And, you know, he said, I am going to invite yeah. her. I'm going to ask her if she'd like to join us on our bike ride this weekend. I said, "What? What? Why is that?" And he said, "She is now relaxed and happy because her brain was helped into that, you know, into that relaxed state. You know, we're overriding the chemical reactions going on in her world and actually giving her the opportunity for her brain to be in alpha." And, and again, meditation, I'm not against you know, meditation, yoga, mindfulness. These are all wonderful things, but here is an, a technology. You know, this is that integrative digital um, science coming into play. And what a wonderful message to get, isn't it? That you, can, you could actually do that so easily. And yes, quickly. it's actually encouraging because 
a lot of people give up on meditation, something like, you know, 95% of yes. people give up on meditation with it after the first week. And so I'm not anti-technology. There are some people that are anti-technology saying it's destroying our world. But the thing is, it can also make life so much easier if you know how to control it, use it. I suspect we're going to hear a lot about this in the future. Yes, yeah. yes. Mind at the, the thinkgroup.com.au. That's where they, you can see that you can see it. You can actually um, um, have a good read about that because I think in combination with colouring, in combination with your breathing techniques, and in combination with um, your meditation. And I've I've found over the last two years, while we've been progressively integrating this, um, the preparedness to stick with the meditations. Because just like you, as a psychologist for all of those years. My, I would pull my hair out, you know, for a, for a week or so they would do the meditation and then it was gone. You know, I'd see them in a few months' time and it's gone. But I found that it works the other way. When you've got a little bit of this sort of technological component, you can actually um, then go, and by the way, when you're not doing that, practice your breathing. Practice, practice a breathing technique that in fact stimulates a variation in your heart rate. So to stimulate a variation in the heartbeat is actually quite easy because when we breathe in, we are activating, we are in fact activating yeah. the, the adrenaline system. We're activating the sympathetic system. And when we breathe out, it's that relaxing breath, we are activating the parasympathetic system. And and here, and here you go. So remember, what we want is a variation. We don't want our heartbeats to be equidistant. We want them to have some variation in them. So what we do is we override the system. So my suggestion is your breath in through the nose, one, two, three, for example, hold, and then your breath, that's your sympathetic system, has now been stimulated. But, your, but what we want is a longer parasympathetic system. So when I blow out through my mouth, I go one, two, three, four, five, six, whatever it takes. But it's longer, but it's longer. So 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 one, two, three in hold and then slowly out, you know, through the mouth through the nose and then out through the mouth, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You are actually creating heart rate variation. I know there are a lot of numbers and there's a lot of techniques and you know yoga all sorts of names and what have you, but I'm simply looking at a technique which is science-based. You know, I'm not saying the other techniques aren't wonderful and all, you know, I, they, I'm sure they work, but I'm just saying if you wanted to manually override your system to create a heart rate variation which is scientifically proven to relax your system you know, and stimulate uh, the vasal, vasal nerve and produce a relaxing effect in the brain and body, then it's a, it's a shorter in and a longer out. Well, it, it, it does because, it, you know, you've got to stop and focus. And, um, and this was one of the things that you and I um, were going to discuss in terms of this um, uh, stop, you know, this sort of having a break in your system I always encourage my clients and, and others to, in fact, use this technique um, called micro breaks, either deliberately twice a day, you know, get your computer to say time to, to have a break and 
do a short breath in and a long breath out three times and go back to work. Do that at 10 o'clock and 3 o'clock or 11 and 4, whatever. Do that every day. Get the cortisol out of your system. And then when going into a meeting or going to do something else, then do it then just before as well. Bring, Bring your brain back into homeostasis, into balance. Yes, I, and I, I call those micro breaks, and I do talk about those in my book um, quite quite a bit. And a lot of the, and then we can actually train the brain to do quite a few things. We can actually use um, the fact that the brain love is so habitual and loves um, repetition to create pattern. We can actually um, uh, use those concepts in fact help the brain and and I talk about that in the book because it's a little bit of the Pavlov's dog you know the bell the food the saliva bell food saliva bell no food saliva ah (laughs) Um, because that's because the brain doesn't want to do any more than it has to eventually the bell the breathing combined with, say, some neurological exercises, which we can't do here talking about it, um, but you'll find them in the book, Um, you can actually, through those exercises, stimulate the neurons in different parts of the brain to become active when you do your micro break. You actually have to train it like the bell, you know, bell, food, saliva, you know, the breathing exercises, relaxation response. Breathing exercises, relaxation response. Breathing, no relaxation exercises, but relaxation response. And that's what we want, that, that sort of effortless relaxation that people find so elusive because it's very hard when you're in, you know, uh, when you are addicted to cortisol throughout the day to actually slow down and switch off. It's it's it's, it's not an addiction. It's, a, it's what our body is and our mind body connection is built to do it's just that we it's just that we live in a very different world to the one that it learnt to do it in its current way all right and before i forget your book is called the neuroscience of mindfulness and we're going to put a lot of these links um with this podcast and uh i could talk to you for another few hours dr stan in fact the first time we spoke we we almost uh, uh did but just uh, lastly i just want to say what is i mean this sounds like a cliche question but what is the one thing that people can do to uh, get them to perform at their best or their the, get their brain to perform at their best every day um peak performance way is to un- is to actually get into their mind a counterintuitive thought and the counterintuitive thought is that, in fact, um, being relaxed is your starting position to a high performance or a peak performance. Um, I, I remember um, back in uh, right. like when Kevin Sheedy down here in Melbourne used to coach a team called Essendon Football Club, and I worked with the team, and, and he came up to me one day in his last year, and I was working with them as their psych at the time, and he came up to me and he said, now, I know you don't wear a caftan and you don't have incense, but you're telling them how to relax. I want them tense out there. And I said, look, well, look, I don't have any incense. I don't have a caftan. I'm not, I, I am not telling them that. What I'm doing is saying that they, they need to break that tension cycle 
they need to actually be able to, in a moment, bring themselves back into balance, you know, relax themselves back into balance and then become alert again. If you're so head up and up tight, you know, you're tense and you've built it up for so long and you run out there and you're running around um, and you don't give your brain the opportunity to actually come off that for a minute or two, you will not peak perform. And 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 that's my, uh, that, that, and that's what I'm saying to people as often as I can here in this world of, you know, we're, 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 we've got the pressure and tension of a grand final out here. You know, we're, we're all running around and wondering what to do. Um, and the reality is that we can help ourselves by dropping into the zone, dropping into homeostasis just for a minute or two. Just get that cortisol out of the system and that will prepare you. That will give your brain the relief to actually um, start to focus, concentrate and attend. Those are three uh, magic sticks for neuroscientists and, and the brain. Concentration, attention and focus. That's what we measure all the time. That's what all research in neuroscience is based on. Wow, really powerful information, Dr. Stan, especially now, you know, when we uh, booked to have this uh, talk, we weren't facing, uh, you know, rampant fear and panic and we weren't facing the fear of, um, uh, you know, viral infection. And I think everything you've said uh, today is an absolute antidote to... Um, uh, that fear and panic, and uh, also probably an antidote to the impact of the virus because the more we step into that parasympathetic system, neutralize cortisol and uh, eliminate stress uh, and improve our energy systems, then we're going to uh, uh, be invincible when it comes to uh, any virus. So I really thank you for you know your um thought leadership and the time you've taken today. I know you're, you're busy developing so many things and I, I can't wait to actually try the, uh, the Neuropod and the sound waves. Uh, so I'm going to go onto your website and uh, check it out. And I will stay in touch. And if that's okay with, uh, with yourself, I'd, you know, I'd love to check in with you to see what other things you're working on and how uh, those things can benefit our community, if that's okay. Absolutely, look forward to it, and um, and please just uh, anyone um, can visit my sites and um, and ask me any questions they wish. All you, I appreciate that very much, Doctor Stan. No Rossi. problem at all. Thank and, you very uh, much for appearing on our podcast. Right.